I'd appreciate that. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9. And I thought, boy, it's November 28th, and it seems like people are a little bit gloomy today. And, and I thought, boy, what is, what is going on? And, and then it hit me. Well, there was at least a couple happy people, not many, but a couple. And then I realized, oh, oh, that's right. Ohio State lost yesterday, and Michigan won. And that's why there was only a couple happy people, and the rest were sad and gloomy. And so, uh, but uh, listen, you know, even, even though they lost... Uh, we can still be, even though Ohio State lost, we can still be uh, glad that we're saved, all right? Uh, praise the Lord that our salvation doesn't depend on a football game. And uh, I did not get to watch it. I was traveling back, but uh, uh, I did, I would have liked to have. I just, my dad graduated from Ohio State, so I have to be an Ohio State fan uh, because of that. But uh, um, Everyone else has to be an Ohio State fan because we're from Ohio, right? Uh, with the exception of a few that we'll, we'll forgive them and uh, we'll show brotherly love towards them, uh, even though they, they wore their Michigan colors today and, and things of that nature. We will, we will show grace and, uh, and mercy and uh, we'll practice those Christian attributes tonight. Romans chapter number 9, and as you go through the Bible, uh, there's really a lot to learn, and I'll be honest with you, Romans has been uh, an interesting book to study. Uh, when we were going through the books of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, even 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, for that matter, they're rather straightforward. And they're, uh, they're not as deep, to be 100% honest with you, as the book of Romans is. And as I've been going through the book of Romans, I was reminded, and I, I brought it to light even last week, uh, that uh, in 1 Corinthians, he says uh, this, he said, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet are ye able. And uh, that will just tell you that the books of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians are much more surface level. They're very easy to understand, very easy to digest. And when you get to the book of Romans, uh, you'll find, uh, boy, that's not the case. Uh, he dives right into the meat of the portion of Scripture there. And we've been going through it for several weeks now. And one of the things that, uh, that I think I've learned, and it helped me at least today, and I hope that uh, will make it easier tonight, is we're going to step back and we're going to look at the big picture of Romans chapter 9. Um, so there's a saying, there's an old saying that goes by that you can't see the forest for the trees. In other words, you spend so much time looking at this one tree and the bark and the leaves and the structure and the roots of it that, that you don't step back and you don't see the larger picture of the entire forest. And with the, with the book of Romans, that's very easy to do because uh, Paul runs in and when he, nails, when he names his first point, boy, he runs uh, right to the very detail of every part of that point and, and he is going to make sure that that point is 100% solidified and, and unrefutable, in, irrefutable, I guess would be the word. And so uh, we, we've looked at many of those and, and I think perhaps tonight to, for 
our sake, we'll step back and we'll look at Romans 9 and try and get a larger picture of what it is. I think it's fairly easy to see the larger picture of Romans chapter 9 and not necessarily look at every, uh, every uh, detail that he presents. And in Romans chapter 9, really partially we have a history lesson um, that he's going to go through. And so Romans chapter 9 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. For my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Amen. And let's stop right there as that's kind of his introduction here. And, uh, and then we'll get into this, this chapter. But let's have a word of prayer before we get started. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for uh, the many blessings, really, that we have in our life. And Father, we should have paused this week uh, to look at those blessings. And God, we should be full and we should be encouraged, just as the, uh, the song says, God, that you've blessed us so richly. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, as we look at the, uh, the broad picture here of Romans chapter 9, I pray that you'd help us to see it very clearly and help us to gain a, a better understanding, Father, of what he's talking about and where, where you're going with this chapter. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this chapter, Paul opens, and, uh, and he's very clear here in the first five verses, at least, uh, that he has a heaviness of heart. Uh, he has heaviness of heart. That's what he says there in verse number two. He says that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. Uh, what was Paul talking about? Paul was talking about uh, his burden and his desire to see the Israelite people be saved. Paul was an Israelite himself. He goes through that in Philippians. He says, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. And, uh, and any Jew that is seriously uh, serious about Judaism uh, would know their tribe that they came from and, and they, would, they would be uh, proud, really, of who they were in that area of being a Jewish person. And so Paul was a, of the tribe of Benjamin. He knew that. And he was uh, somebody who had spent time learning the law. Paul was very involved in, in Judaism. But yet Paul was called to preach the gospel to the Gentile nations. How many times do we read throughout the gospels or throughout the Pauline epistles, he opens his books by saying, Paul, an apostle called by God. And he says over and over, hey, God has called me. And we know that God called Paul to go to the Gentile nations because that's where he went. He went to Ephesus. He went to Philippi. He went to Thessalonica. And many times he would go to where the synagogue was, but his broader outreach was that of Gentile people. Uh, that's what he tried. Uh, that's who he was called to. And that's who he reached by and large. And, uh, and yet at the same time, we see that Paul has a great uh, sorrow and concern for Israel. 
Uh, and, and you can see that here in this verse. Look at what he says in verse number three. He says, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul's almost saying, he's saying, listen, if I could, if I could be accursed and my brethren, the Israelite people, could be saved, that's what I would do. Because that's how burdened and that's how much love the Apostle Paul had for his, uh, for his people, the Israelites. And, uh, and as we think about that, boy, I, was, I read that and I, I was challenged, to be honest with you. I thought, man, that our love for other people would be as strong as Paul's was. I mean, he, I, I don't, I mean, he's very clear. He says in verse number one, he says, I say the truth, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. He's saying, I'm not exaggerating. This is not preacher talk about how, uh, how uh, concerned I am for the lost. This is the God-honest truth, he's saying. God is my witness and my conscience would bear record that I am very concerned about the lost Israelite people. That's what he's saying. And I thought, boy, what a challenge to us. And how, how much more Paul, compassion Paul had for his people and how we ought to be challenged in a compassion for those that are lost around us and, uh, and how we ought to be concerned for the lost. And Paul certainly displays that and certainly he lived it by putting his life on the line many times preaching the gospel. And listen, many times he would go to the synagogues even though he was in uh, um, heathen areas and Gentile areas, he often would start out right in the, uh, in the synagogues and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because Paul was concerned about the Jewish people. What an incredible love that he has. Look with me at verses 4 and 5 just real quick, and I won't spend a lot of time here, but he goes into the, uh, the benefits uh, of the Jewish people. And he said this before, but he says there in verse number 4, he says, "...who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises." And so he gives several things here. And, and uh, the adoption, that's not the same adoption of salvation that we have that he was talking about earlier in chapter 8, but that is an adoption in that where did the nation of Israel come from? Well, God called Abraham. You remember singing the song in Sunday school? Father Abraham had many sons. Come on, don't make me make you stand up and sing it, all right? Uh, we know that song. He, had, he, he, he was called out, and God had called Abraham out of his people, or out of those people, to be God's chosen people. So God basically adopted him. It goes on in Exodus chapter 4 and verse 22, and the Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And he was talking to Pharaoh in that passage. And he's just saying, listen, that Israel was chosen of God. The nation of Israel uh, was God's chosen people. We know that. And so they were adopted. And then the glory uh, being, being God's blessed people, that he blessed them. And he said, listen, if you bless my people, I'll bless you. If you curse my people, I'll curse you. And so there was a glory that goes with it. The covenants. In other words, hey, there were agreements that God made with Israel that stood with the Israel nation and with his people. And then the giving of the law. Boy, you know, in all honesty, we have, and we've seen this before, but we have the entire Old Testament, the majority of the Bible, 
comes because the Jewish nation took time to write down the words of God and to guard it. And they were faithful about making sure, hey, nothing is to be added, nothing is to be taken away. Matter of fact, this is just a little tidbit of information for you. Uh, today, uh, by and large, there's very little dispute over the Old Testament. Now, there's some, but it's not, it's not the majority of it. Uh, the Old Testament pretty much stands, and people don't dispute that. But over the New Testament, there's a lot of dispute. And, uh, and there's a lot of this and that, and some people want to use this translation and that translation. And Where does it all come from? Uh, well, I've studied it out. We won't go into all the history of it. Uh, but just suffice it to say that, that we use the uh, King James Bible that comes from the Textus Receptus. Uh, that would be the New Testament text. But the Old Testament, the Masoretic Old Testament text, uh, is not very disputed. Why? Because the Jewish nation recorded it. And they were faithful. And they were careful about that. And so God had used the nation of Israel tremendously to bring us the Old Testament and the Word of God. The service of God. Boy, they did a lot of work and service uh, for God. Go back and read your Old Testament. And you'll find many things that God did through the nation of Israel. The promises. Well, you can go back and read the promises of God that He made to the nation of Israel. And there's still so many of them. And then in verse number 5, He says, not only that, but on top of all of that, the Jewish people were brought to us the very Son of God. You go back in Matthew chapter number uh, 1 and you read the, uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And, and yeah, it's not exciting. And yes, there's a bunch of names that are difficult to re to, to uh, to pronounce many times, and in Luke, and you'll find that, hey, there is a line of Jews that run through uh, that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to bring forth my son, Jesus Christ. And one of them traces Mary's family, the other traces Joseph's family, even though Joseph was not the father of Jesus, uh, it was just to show that he had a, a lineage uh, between the two, and, uh, and that, that, that he was brought to us through the Jewish nation. So there's a lot of blessings there of being a Jewish nation. Uh, but, but Paul is saying, listen, my heart is heavy because many of them are lost. Then the second thing that we see is not only Paul's heaviness of heart, but I want you to notice the history of Israel. Now in chapter, chapter 9, verses 6, pretty much down through 24, maybe a little past that, he's going to cover the history of Israel. And he's going to do so in a way that is going to bring it to a point of he's going towards salvation that he's going to cover here at the end of the, uh, the chapter. But look with me at verse number 6 and verse number 7. He says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. He just got through saying, listen, that they, God gave us the word of God through the Jewish people. God gave us Jesus Christ through the Jewish people. And then he goes on in verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath not taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And he's going to go into a dialogue talking about seed and different people of Israel. Let me give you the overview of what he's saying. Basically, is he's saying here in, in, in verses 6, uh, well, verse 6 specifically, he's talking about the lineage of the Jewish people. And he says this, that Gentiles got into the lineage of Jesus. Go back to verse number 6 and he says, not as though the word of God hath 
taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel, neither because they are of the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. In other words, if you look at the, even the lineage of Jesus, I think I covered this last year or the year before, you go back and you look at the lineage of Jesus, you'll find Rahab, she's a harlot, that's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. You'll find Ruth. Now, what was Ruth? You'll remember a Moabitess. She was not an Israelite. Well, wait, how did they get into the lineage? Because, listen, God had his chosen people, and he had called them out, but he had also left a way that some of those people could get back in uh, to the nation of Israel and, and, and become part of God's chosen people. And he used them in that whole line and in that whole thing. It's really amazing if you look at all of that about how God allowed others. And listen, just because they were born to Jewish parents does not mean they were part of the chosen nation of Israel. Well, how do you find that? Well, if you read those passages, that's basically what he's saying. He's saying in verse number 7, go back there. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham... Are they all children? But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Somebody told me once, they said, did, uh, did you know that uh, Abraham had other children? And I said, no. He said, yeah. He said, you go back, and he took me to the Old Testament passage, took me to the verse, and after uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife, died, uh, he remarried Keturah, and they had other children. And so God is very specific and says, listen, Isaac is the seed uh, that is Israel. But even in the seed of Isaac, you'll find Israelites, you'll find Jews uh, that did not believe and did not fall in line. Matter of fact, he goes into some of that and he talks about uh, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And we find that Esau did not follow uh, the word of God. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things about Esau's life that did not fall in line with the nation of Israel. And we know that, hey, it was through Jacob whose name was changed to Israel. And what he's saying is, listen, just because they were born uh, to Israelites does not mean that they were part of God's chosen people. And some of the ones that weren't of God's chosen people still made their way into the nation of Israel and still became part of God's chosen people, became even part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And it's quite amazing that he's, he's talking about all of that. And he goes through lineage and he talks about that. Look with me, though, in verse number 17. So he gives a history lesson of the lineage. But then go with me to verse number 17 and he says this, for the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up that I might show my power in thee and, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. You remember when Pharaoh was holding God's people in, in Egypt and he would not let them go. And, and God said, hey, let my people go, and he would not. And finally, God sent all the plagues uh, on Pharaoh. And you'll, you'll remember reading that Pharaoh hardened his heart and that God hardened his heart and, and many things. What was going on there was that God had a purpose to show his glory and his authority over all the gods of Egypt. That's what he was doing. 
And what I'm saying throughout all of this, in the lineage of the history lesson of Israel, God was saying, listen, I have a purpose and that I would be glorified. And in Pharaoh and in the whole slavery thing of Egypt and even being released and brought uh, free uh, out of that, there was the fact that God was, was showing his strength and his power before the entire earth. And it was recorded so that we go back and review it. We could see, oh, God is powerful. God is strong. God sent all these plagues on Egypt. And we can see all of that. And so as, as Paul is giving this lesson, he's showing some of the purposes of God. Look with me at verse number 21. Or verse number 20. He says, Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory? And he goes on and talks a little bit more about it. But I'm just saying that God had a purpose fulfilled in all of this. And we understand the potter and the clay. Uh, that, that God would mold something and make something. Matter of fact, uh, it talks about that in Jeremiah. We'll not go there for now. But I did reference these verses last week, I believe it was, in Isaiah 55, 8. The, God says, God's word says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And sometimes we look at stuff, we're studying the life of Joseph in the adult Sunday school class, and we look at the hardships that he goes through, and, and, and we're like, man, why? Joseph didn't do anything wrong, and he, here he is uh, sold into slavery. And then we, we watch him through his time of slavery, and, and he didn't do anything wrong, and now he's getting ready to go to prison, and you're like, what is going on with his life? But God is working in all of that. And God is working behind the scenes and God has a purpose and God has a way of moving and working in things that maybe we don't always understand. Uh, but we can see that here that God throughout the entire nation of Israel and the history that has transpired and the entire uh, line of the Old Testament as you would read, God is working His purpose. And so he's making that clear throughout the entire history lesson that he gives uh, of the Jewish Old Testament and of the uh, nation of Israel. And as he runs through the lineage and he runs through God's purpose versus man's purpose. And so we see all of that. And then go with me to verse number 25. And I want you to see where he folds that over into the history of salvation. And this is where uh, would really apply to us. And we, we say, man, that, praise the Lord for this. In verse number 25, Romans 9, 25. As he saith also in Hosea, that would be Hosea. Uh, it's the, the New Testament name for Hosea. I will, call, I will call them my people, which were not my people. And her beloved, which was not beloved. Now, let me just stop here and, and, and give you briefly this. If you've read the book of Hosea, 
then you know what's going on. God gave a very graphic illustration in the book of Hosea uh, of, of uh, God leaving the nation of Israel, not leaving them, but per se, and, and choosing Gentile people. And it was a foreshadowing of the coming of Christ and that God would open up salvation to all the lost people, uh, to all the Gentiles. It was a vivid display of all of that that is given in the book of Hosea and how that the nation of Israel had turned from God and left and departed God. In other words, they worshiped God in the beginning, but they got so caught up in their religious system that they eventually turned to idolatry and they departed completely from God. And so he's saying, listen, uh, that God is going to call uh, people that are not his people, his people. Do you, see, do you see that change that's taking place in verse number 25? And he's going from the nation of Israel to the Gentile people. Look with me at verse number 27. And there's another prophetic reference. He says, Esaias also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. And he's talking about the fact that, hey, that a slim portion, God always has a remnant. That would be a small uh, group of people. That would be a small group of Israelites that still would be saved and still would not have departed uh, from, the, from the nation of God or left God, but they still continued to follow God. And then go with me to verse number, uh, well, let's continue reading there. Verse number 28, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Verse 29. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodoma uh, and been made like unto Gomorrah. Verse number 30. What shall we say then? Verse 30, he opens it up that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. And so he gives the entire history lesson of the Israelite nation to point and to show that, listen, God had chose them and he allowed other people to come in. And just because they were of the nation of Israel does not mean necessarily that they were God's chosen people. But after a while, God's chosen people had turned aside and started following other things. But there was still a small remnant that followed God and believed God and obeyed God. And then finally, God turns it to the Gentile people and he says, Hey, I will call people that aren't my people, that would be the Gentile people over here, my people. And where's he going with this? He's going straight to salvation as we see there in verse number 30. He says, what shall we say then? That the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness. In other words, the Gentile people were not Jewish people. They did not follow the laws and ordinances of God's Old Testament. Uh, they, were, uh, they were vastly uh, ignorant of God's law and of God's uh, Old Testament ways. But yet they attained to, the, uh, to righteousness, look, is what it says, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. And he's talking about salvation there. And so he goes on, he says in verse 31, but Israel, 
which followed after the law of righteousness hath not attained to the law of righteousness. In other words, Israel... They had been given the law. They had been adopted by God. They had made promises by God. There was a covenant between God and Israel. And there was many benefits to being an Israelite and a Jew. But at the same time, uh, they got so carried away with following the law that they, they had completely abandoned the righteousness of God. And so God says, hey, let's open it up for others. And the Gentile people, that would be you and I, that are not Jewish people, benefited from the salvation that God was offering to all people. And Paul is very careful to note that in verse number, uh, verse number 30 at the very end, the righteousness which is of faith. And that the Jewish people, the Israel people in verse 31, uh, they didn't attain unto that because of their works. That's not to say that no Jewish people are saved because there are some Jewish people saved. There's a remnant of them. There's a small minority of those who did believe. Verse 32, he says, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, talking about the Jewish people, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In other words, that in all of this, he's saying the Jewish nation, Though they had the, the word of God, they had covenants, they had promises, they had uh, many benefits, they even had the lineage of Jesus Christ. When he actually showed up, Jesus Christ became a stumbling block to the Jewish nation because they couldn't accept it. They thought, oh, the Messiah is going to come. He's going to set up a new uh, territory and he's going to free us from this Roman rule and, and he's going to be our king. And, and Jesus didn't come in that form. And so they rejected him and said, this is not the Messiah, though he was the Messiah. They stumbled at that and they struggled with that and they didn't understand that. But he's saying, listen, uh, God is, is very clear that whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. In other words, hey, they're going to get saved and they're not going to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's giving a broad history lesson of the nation of Israel, them being chosen, uh, then others being allowed into that Israel nation, and then the fact that, hey, some of them that were even born in that Israelite uh, name and Israelite uh, land were not really of Israel. They were not God's chosen people. And then he goes on and says, because that they kind of turned aside and they went astray, that God opened it up and allowed Gentiles to be saved by faith. And he's very clear about that at the end of the passage. And so that's what uh, Romans chapter 9 is really dealing with. That's the broad view. That's when we step back, we read the whole thing, we take it all in. He's giving his desire. He wants to see Israel saved. He gives the history lesson of Israel being chosen and brought out. And then he goes on and says, but listen, because they turned and they went away from God and they didn't obey God, and you can read the book of Hosea, you can read uh, many of the Old Testament prophets and the condemnation on the nation of Israel for them uh, accepting much idolatry in place of God and, and, and all of that. But there was judgments and God said, hey, listen, uh, we're going to open this up to the, to the Gentile people 
so that they can be saved. And really, he gives at the end the history of salvation to the whole world. And he's kind of giving a big picture of what is taking place. And that's kind of what he's been describing over all these chapters that we've been talking about. He, he talked about the Jewish people, the advantage of being a Jew. And he talked about uh, the Gentile people being saved by faith and by grace. And, and he gave all the benefits of that salvation. And then here he kind of gives a broad picture of retrospect of how salvation was amplified and added unto the, Gen the, the Gentile people. And what I can say is, praise the Lord, that He gave us salvation. Praise the Lord that it was opened up unto us. And listen, oh, that we would have the compassion and the burden that Paul felt for the Jewish people, for our own people. Not our own people, but every people. That they would all know that Jesus Christ died on the cross because salvation it's not for a limited group. It's not for a select group of people. It's not for the Jewish people or the Gentile people. But he opened it up for all people. So that anybody, he says that, that whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. And listen, what a great chapter that he gives us the, the mercy and the grace of God, that God would choose that Jewish nation, that he would send forth his son, that he would preserve his word and all the things that he did there. And he did it so that he could lead up to salvation for every person. What a blessing that you and I, if you're saved and you're born again, that we have salvation, that we have been allowed to be saved. What a blessing that, that we have. And listen, maybe you're here tonight, and you say, well, I'm not saved. I don't know what that means. Listen, the Bible is very clear. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you can be saved tonight. You don't have to be a Jew. You don't have to be uh, a Gentile. You don't have to be any type of person. You know what you got to be? is a sinner. And we all qualify. There's nobody exempt from that category. And so, uh, as a sinner that would simply say, God, thank, God, I would like to be saved, He'll change your life, and He will save you. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, we have the heaviness of Paul's heart, the history of Israel, and then the history, really, of salvation in that latter part of the chapter. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And God, thank you for the broad picture that we can look at. God, really the history of salvation and how you brought salvation to us. And God, what a blessing to us as Gentile people, really. People who are not part of your chosen people of Israel, but yet, Father, people who are able to put our faith and trust in you for salvation. Thank you for that. Thank you for opening it up to us that we could be saved. And God, if there's one here that does not know you as their own personal Savior, God, I pray that today, as the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the Lord, as it said in our text, shall not be ashamed. And it says elsewhere, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a blessing to know that we can put our name down. We can say, God, we would like to be saved and that you would save us. God, I pray that you would bless each and every person that's here tonight. Help us to have a compassion and a concern for the lost 
and dying world. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.